Hello! This week's episode of From Queers to Peers is a part two to last week's episode about trans experiences. Uh, in this episode, myself, Kelly, and Mabe continue our discussion about life as trans people. Uh, there are mentions of transphobia in this episode as well, so if that would cause you any distress, please keep yourself safe and feel free to skip this one. Enjoy. Yeah, kind of on the topic of, of, of places being made safe, I did want to talk about like legality um, and and kind of federal provincial protections for trans people, because I think that's important to know, like what kind of our rights are. Um, I also wanted to talk about trans healthcare in Ontario and how much it's covered. So anybody who is looking for that information or anybody who's curious about it, you know, can find out from people who have been there. Um, so gender identity and expression is protected under the Canadian Human Rights Act. Uh, that was passed in 2017 with Bill C-16, which was like a, that's when I was in college, was a huge debate at the time. Um, a lot of weird right-wing pundits had a lot of thought about it, uh, but it did end up passing, and gender identity expression is also, for Ontario specifically, protected under the Ontario Human Rights Code. Um, so we are legally protected. Um, we're not just kind of thrown to the wolves when it comes to the legal systems of Canada. Um, though it definitely has its other issues, as with most, like, uh, legal systems out there. At a baseline, we are um, illegally protected from discrimination and bigotry. Uh, for healthcare in Ontario, I'll talk to what I've experienced, and you guys can, can share what you know as well. Um, for me, testosterone, I take gel testosterone and not injections, which is known to be pricier. Uh, but gel testosterone is covered under OHIP plus if you are under, so it's like it covers your prescriptions as long as you're under 25. Um, so when I turn 25, I will no longer have that, but for kind of trans youth, just know that that's out there. Um, my top surgery was also covered by OHIP. Uh, I had my endocrinologist help me file the OHIP form and then I had to pick what surgeon I wanted to go to, which at the time was only two. It was McLean in Mississauga or GRS in Montreal. I think that it has expanded by now, um, but it did completely cover the surgery. I just had to pay for transportation. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll move on to more of the, you know, trans femmes mm -hmm. of, you know, of the world, more specifically our world, Canada, Ontario. Yeah. Um, so I've been on estrogen since I was, you know, um, 15, which everything has been covered so far. Um, now, I don't know what's covering it because, you see, I'm an Indigenous First Nation. So I got OHIP, but I also got um, a green card because I am in foster care, technically. Oh, okay. And then, I'm a, you know, um, I'm, I'm statist, so... There's a lot of medical stuff that's covered by status. Okay. So one of so those things. So I got three things <laughs> that can cover like literally anything. And so, and then I'm getting bottom surgery soon. Um, and I assume that's covered by OHIP. Yeah. I, uh, based on what I saw, I believe most major gender confirming surgeries are covered by OHIP. Um, yeah, and there's one specific situation though. Mm -hmm. um, so breast augmentation is covered in a special circumstance. 
Oh, and that it's it like is... uh, for gender affirmation or? Um, not even that. Oh. The special circumstances of what of when breast augmentation is covered is that if you don't develop any breast tissue or much breast tissue, it's got to be a really low oh, amount. Oh, I see. And like, let's say, you know, you start on estrogen, you're on there for two or three years. And, you know, the question that I was given was, have you developed any breasts? And I'm like, well, I've been on here for like three years. So obviously, yeah, like four, three, four years now. And I'm a, I was denied. Wow. I just want So in a very special circumstance, unless you don't develop any breast tissue, um, you can get breast augmentation completely for free and covered. That's a very bizarre stipulation. Yeah. Huh. Um, I've heard that like what is covered and what isn't covered is like very transmisogynistic. Because um, another thing, I don't know too much about it, but I heard from some people that like facial surgeries are not covered. Where like, I was going to bring that up yes, actually. Yeah, yeah they're not. Because those, I'm a, that's more cosmetic like breast augmentation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A, even though, you know, I'm a, I have a friend who lives in Germany. Mm -hmm. um, she got um, a facial feminization surgery. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and it was covered by insurance. And, you know, she, she genuinely, like, needed it. And that's not me trying to diss her. I'm using, you know, her own words. Like, she did not want to live a life where she kept the same face. Right. So, you know, there, there are definitely, like needs to ffs yeah ontario based on like just the research i did as well because i also looked at like uh like masculine chest contouring um or like lipo or like anything to masculinize the chest that isn't just like straight removal of breast tissue uh, it's also not covered um ontario while it's definitely like you know leagues ahead of a lot of places where this stuff isn't covered it still has a lot of like kind of nuances to iron out um, they're really just kind of doing the base surgeries when, I mean, like you just described, people often need more than that or want more than that. And it's, uh, they have a couple, I don't know, steps forward to take, um, because these kind of quote unquote cosmetic surgeries are often not cosmetic for trans people. It is life-saving healthcare. Um, uh -huh. but you know, it's the province we live in. <laughs> yeah. And like... I just want to add before we move on. Yeah. And that is um, for, you know, our human rights. This is something I saw um, a couple of months ago. There was a settlement that happened in Vancouver, which I know we're an Ontario um, podcast, but just in case, you know, there's anyone out there that, you know, lives in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, a trans. I don't even know, it was a trans child, right? I don't know the gender. Mm. I'm off the top of my head. Um, was being misgendered by his own dad. By his, oh my God, I'm sorry. By their own dad. Mm. Um, and the mother wanted to, the mother supported the child in their trans journey, but um, uh, couldn't get the dad's permission. So they went to court and the child who was only about like, 13, 14 at the time um, 
got to start on hormone therapy because the judge announced that any, you know, misgendering, any like abuse and gender identity on a child, on a minor, Emma, is punishable and you can take and you can have your children taken away in Vancouver. I don't know if it's the same in Ontario. I haven't heard any cases or looked up on, you know, that law. Yeah, but I just recently found out about that lawsuit that happened or whatever. I was going to say, like, it, it does go to show that, like, these implementations, like, you know, into the Canadian Human Rights Act and the, the Human Rights Code, et cetera, does have, like, real world applications yeah. and instances where it, it really affects us and it affects how, how these types of legal proceedings go for us. Um, yeah, so if specifically in Vancouver, if you're like a you know, a trans kid, a trans, you know, teenager, preteen, um, you're protected by, for a gender identity. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, find a home more suited to you if you're being neglected on your identity, like rights. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, um, trans people, obviously, we are a marginalized community. Uh, trans people around the world face loads and loads of, of different issues because they are trans and because they are being discriminated against. So I wanted to talk about, you know, what the best way to help trans people are. Um, in Ontario specifically, and just kind of like in a general sense, um, I am a strong believer in directing or directly fun- or donating to trans people like GoFundMe's and other fundraisers. Um, you know that the money's going to that person and will immediately directly help their life without having to go through like a lot of uh, kind of third parties. Um, but there are also good trans-specific, queer-specific charities in Ontario. Um, some obviously being, you know, Youthline, the people who host and produce this podcast. Um, I also really love PFLAG. There's a lot of different chapters in different cities. Um, also mentioned was uh, Families in Transition programs with Central Toronto Youth Services, if you're in the city, uh, and the Ten Oaks Project as well. Um, does anyone have any like specific trans charities that they know about that they wanted to shout out? Because I definitely vouch for, for PFLAG. They are run by great people. I'm actually like really um, involved with the Ten Oaks Project. Oh, hey. Um, um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm the, a child or youth that has on multiple occasions went to their camps because mm-hmm. they host camps during the summer and fall time where for, you know, LGBTQ plus children and youth. And I've been going there for a couple of years now. Awesome. Um, well, hey, there's another, uh, another vouch for another one of these services. Um, and then I was going to throw it to Mabe um, because we were going to talk about uh, kind of how to best support the rural queer communities, which do often get overlooked in kind of discussions like these. Um, and maybe, like you mentioned earlier, uh, grew up rural and you have a lot of experience with these. So how would you, what would be kind of your recommendation for, for helping rural communities? What could people in more urban areas do or just kind of any other thoughts you had on the matter? Mm-hmm. Um, so I co-founded this organization, which I'm going to shout out. Uh, called yeah. Rocky, the Rural Ontario Community of Queer Youth. Um, and I created this because often the idea is that there's like no rural queer folks and that the two can't coexist when in reality there's like 
queer and trans and two-spirit um, folks across all of rural Ontario and our communities are just smaller but that if we like bond together then we can like create something big um, by coming together and I'm really like interested in the rural queer experience being a rural queer myself because growing up I was always fed this um, idea that if I wanted to be queer that I had to go to Toronto and that um, or like any big metropolitan city the queerness didn't exist in uh, rural communities and that it wasn't safe to be queer in rural communities and um, everything like that um, but I think this is like far from the truth um, every community is different and there can be more conservative people or um, in rural communities um, and more like small town type of gossip where everybody knows your business and stuff compared to in bigger communities but there can also be like a lot of people who are open-minded doing really cool things and supporting each other and um, trans joy and beauty and I think that's also true in urban spaces as well there can be people who are more closed-minded um, but also people who are more open and I think that's like also an important narrative to paste paint instead of um, this binary dichotomy of um, urban queers and rural straight backward rednecks um, and I feel like this can be true in other like um, communities as well like you can be queer and trans and also like religious and spiritual the two can coexist yeah. and oftentimes they're painted like that they can't coexist in the same person when there's actually like a lot of like um in the village that I went to elementary school in there's a non-binary queer minister and one of my neighbors that lives like behind my farm one of their kids um, married this person who's like now um, a minister at a like a very rural church in um like this very small village slash farming community um so i think that's like a cool thing um also in terms of like rural access to healthcare, i think that's an important thing to mention as well um is that like telehealth can be important point of access for trans mm -hmm. folks and i know there's the connect clinic and i think there's others out there that um our telehealth doing trans health care. Um, so I think that's important um, as well as like mailed prescriptions because pharmacies might not carry HRT or have trouble ordering it. Um, and virtual appointments as well for counseling and therapy can be helpful due to the lack of access to um, physical offices. Um, just because like being in a rural area with less people you have less access to resources and you'll have to go to the cities if you want to access resources um right and 
yeah so that's just not like a queer thing but it also happens for like mental health or like social services and like any type of resource or service that's out there yeah thank you um it's it's kind of crazy to me that like i mean obviously telehealth and like remote uh appointments were things that became very like mainstream obviously during the pandemic and it's crazy how that stuff has like it is so much more usefulness than like the most people realized um at the time uh because you're right it's it's such an invaluable resource for people in rural communities and i'm glad that it kind of became this word gets thrown around a lot but i'm glad it became more normalized uh uh in a sense um and yeah i mean starting your own uh organization is crazy so everybody please uh go check out rocky because that's very very cool and i know you're gonna help a lot of people with that that's very commendable also with that like having to go to um referrals for people that can't access um healthcare can be like very far distances that they'll have to travel especially if they're not like within around the toronto area um and i was also gonna say oh yeah also with telehealth care and like online um virtual stuff it can also be difficult because oftentimes in rural areas you have less access to like cell phone signals and strong internet quality and everything like that so it can also be difficult for rural folks to access those things as well yeah also very fair um i guess yeah takeaway for that is just uh you know make sure that you're you're helping kind of rural communities whenever you can especially if you're kind of an urbanite like i grew up um there are a lot of people who need kind of extra resources that for no obviously fault of their own um i feel like um, uh, that um, uh, rocky could be very beneficial for um um uh, reservations mm-hmm. to, to know about if um, uh, you ever get the chance to think um, uh, about you know advertising right because that's my reserve um uh, that you know I, I have the only way to get out is by plane. Oh, wow. Um, uh, and there's probably plenty of other, you know, um, uh, much rural um, reservations out there that, you know, would benefit people to know about Rocky. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, please, if, uh, if you're listening and if Rocky would be beneficial to you, please check it out. If Rocky would not be beneficial to you, please pass it on somewhere where it would be. Um, because you're right, like that would be a a, a crazy good uh, kind of resource for a lot of people. Um, not shockingly, not everybody in Ontario lives in Toronto or Ottawa. So, um, but um, to kind of close out, or before we close out rather, uh, maybe you said you brought some poetry that you would like to read, and I think that would be lovely. This one I was thinking of earlier because we were talking about like what gender is and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's called What Gender Is. Gender is identity, gender is expression. When boys are blue and girls are pink, gender is a rainbow with all the hues in between. When men are Mars and women are Venus, gender is a galaxy with many stars and planets. When men are waffles and women are spaghetti, gender is an ecosystem full of food for all the species. Gender is infinite, gender is limitless, gender is freedom if we allow it.
Oh, I loved that. That was so nice. <laughs> yeah. I really, yeah, I, it was I, wonderful. Yeah, I like that Galaxy line because that's, uh, I mean, we looked at that model uh, a couple months ago now, all of us, the the kind of gender Galaxy model, and I think it's a, a very apt comparison because it's it's just as vast and and beautiful and personal. Um, this one is called To Be Trans. To be trans is knowing transformation is possible, is knowing transformation is healing, is knowing we can grow and create and evolve into our truest forms, into ourselves. To be trans is knowing transcending into a future, is knowing transcending into our dreams, is knowing we can become whoever we are destined to be. To be trans is to transfigure spiritually. Yeah. That was fantastic. I really, I really enjoyed that one. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and this one is called I am non-binary. I am non-binary. I am mask and I am femme. I am both and I am neither. I have divine parts and pieces put together in stardust. They form to create who I am. I am fragments and I am whole. I am forest and I am desert. I am growing and I am still. I am river and I am ocean. I am flowing and I am stagnant. I am all and I am nothing. I am here and I am present. I am non-binary. This is my body. This is my spirit. This is me. Hell yeah. I don't know if my mic's picking it up, but I've been like snapping after them. Um, Holy shit. That was powerful. <laughs> that was like, very, I really, very good. Um, I love like everything about that you're very talented Mabe, and i uh thanks i i know you've read your poetry to thanks. us before sorry podcast listeners um but no it's it's such a treat every time so thank you for bringing those with you and for for guesting today we really appreciate thanks. you being here i enjoyed being here yeah uh before we leave does anyone have anything else they want to share just you know about being trans living life Ooh, yes. Um, there's one thing yeah. I saw the other day. It was like a post on social media, and I really resonated with it. Um, so I'm just gonna find it quickly. Trans, not as in killing your past self, but re resurrecting your very, very first self. Yeah, there's a. I agree. There's that that kind of narrative of like. You know, like when people write, I mean, parents actually react like this, but when people say their parents are like, uh, like I'm losing my daughter, son, whatever, when you come out as trans, mm -hmm. um, I've always thought is that is like horseshit, um, because nothing fundamentally is changing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're right. It's, it's really kind of a coming out as trans and, and living as, you know, your true self really is honoring yourself in the best possible way. Um, yeah, like I'm a coming out as I'm a female, and then like, come on, mother, I'm not going to become the girl from Lately Blonde. Please don't freak out. <laughs> right, like I'm, I'm going to be the same person. I swear to God, uh, I'm just going to have a different hormone pumping through my system mostly. Um, no, I, I absolutely, uh, I agree with that post. Also, I think that's very well put. Um, yeah, Kelly, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Whether you are openly out or stealth, it is completely valid, no matter, you know, what anyone says. You do not owe you coming out to anyone. 
agreed uh safety above all else comfort above all else um you matter most in your life and um if coming out is going to be a detriment to your physical safety you don't have to um at any point um i just want to say i mean obviously we only have a limited amount of time for this episode i feel like the three of us could probably talk about being trans and gender and all that jazz for hours if we had the time um so this was very like a just kind of an overview of everything we've gone through but being trans really genuinely is beautiful Mm -hmm. Uh, i think it has uh, provided me such a a lovely perspective on the world um and it's not something i would change even a little bit uh i owe a lot to being trans i owe a lot of character growth to being trans um and i think every trans person alive uh is beautiful and is worth respect and is worth you know being taken seriously as who they are and i wish a lot of light and love and healing to every trans person in the world and uh if that's all then that's it thank you everybody for listening thank you again name for joining us and we will be seeing you in the next episode bye thank you bye Thank you for listening to our podcast, From Peers to Queers, created by and for 2S LGBTQ youth. This project is brought to you by the LGBT Youth Line's Provincial Youth Ambassador Program. If you or someone you know is looking for community support, check out our peer support helpline over at youthline.ca. Our website has a chat service, or you can send us a text at 647-694-4275.